Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Cloud Spotting. Alex, how has your week been? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, it's been okay. Um, I'm looking forward to. I was recording one of our, another one of our not another work from home podcasts. Oh yeah, uh, lots oh, of yeah. funny games. But um, I'm actually quite <laughs> looking forward to taking an amazingly long paid time off. So I have the whole ah. of next week off. Um, I'm going to spend it well doing DIY, to be honest. So I'm going to be I'm going to be up in the up in the loft, getting itchy. And and all those things. Uh, try not to electrocute myself again. And I do mean again. Yeah, yes, we please. won't go into that. Um, <laughs> what about yourself? Yeah, it's been it's been good. Uh, busy week at work. For some reason, uh, there's been lots of calls coming in. So just handing out truth. I don't have any time off booked, so I'm going to have to uh, brace this period of working, not not working, <laughs> and, and and sort of get through this time. But we have an amazing episode ahead of us, so I think we should get on with it. Okay, so in which case, should we, uh, Jeff, who's our special guest for today, Jeff Diverter. Jeff, do you want to introduce yourself and tell, tell our audience a little bit about yourself? I'd be happy to. Thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, always a pleasure to spend some time with the three of you. So uh, my name is Jeff Diverter. I'm the CTO here at Rackspace. Been working in IT for 20-some oh, years and in various fits and capacity. And, uh, and from a Rackspace perspective, I've spent about 10 years here across two different um, two different stints, but I'm super glad to be back uh, uh, here with Rackspace and really pleased and honored to be on your show today. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us, Jeff. So I guess we should probably dig into why we're here today. So yeah. I think uh, part of this kicked off just recently when uh, I was having a conversation with my daughters about uh, about <laughs> denim jackets and how they were cool and we should be talking to talk about retro and looking back a little bit. And, uh, and it inspired us to have a little show around looking at what would what would the the whole situation we're in today have been like had it been back in the 80s or the 90s? So I guess what we'd like to do then, uh, Jeff, so thinking back to the days of the old Nokia 3210s and maybe even before that, I mean, squeaky modems, uh, yeah. what would have happened, you know, if we'd have been in this situation back then? Well, you know, we look at our situation today and, you know, I look at my, my sons, I've got a 24-year-old, I've got a 17-year-old, now the 17-year-old kind of manages his screen time a little better. Um, but you know what? They're just staring at their screens. But the screen brings so many things you can do, you know, <laughs> whether it's whether it's streaming some Netflix, whether you know, my my 17 year old super creative, so he's always got Procreate open or a, or GarageBand is open on the iPad. Um, but you think back mm -hmm. to think back to even just go back to the nineties where we had some internet, albeit dial up. Uh, there was no 24 hour news there. There was no social media there. There was no Twitter there. Uh, all these things that are getting us even real time, somewhat sketchy in news, but real time news uh, from wherever <laughs> it might be in the world. Uh, it wouldn't exist. Yep. And you'd be completely beholden on, you know, turning on. But I guess we had CNN then. I don't even remember what, what 24 hour news service we had at the time then. Um, you know, it, but it, it would be a totally different world. You know, there's, there's, I guess we had 24 hour HBO and, and the different things to watch movies, but boy, what a different world it would be to not have uh, the things that we have now um, and be locked in our homes. For Imagine sure. the only place you could go is Blockbuster. That's oh, right. Oh, no, Blockbuster. Social distancing. So, yeah, and it's not like you could get <laughs> online and order your movie. There was no online order of the movie and go pick it up. <laughs> Think of the lines out there, six feet apart. They'd be wrapping around the building a few times. Uh, may I, can, can I walk in the building and That's stare right. at the wall That's again? Right. Were you guys even old enough? I stared at the wall. That was the worst experience ever. Friday afternoon, staring at the wall. <laughs> Just does remind me of uh, Kids of the Hole and the I Crush You. Uh, so we're probably going to go off on this. 
slight tangent. <laughs> slight tangent. Kids in the hall didn't exist then. Or did they? Exactly. I don't Exactly. I, 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 I'm still thinking how we would have we would have even got anything worked because if you, if you're talking about dial-up internet, I think the phone lines would be busy all the time. There's no way you'd be able to dial in to your ISP. Mm-hmm. That's right. Getting any That's service right. going. Well, and even we're talking so, yeah. about how do we amuse ourselves, but think about the real-time aggregation of the data of the sick people. How that would be days behind as you, you know, somebody would literally be calling yeah. in and reading it off a ledger or mailing it in. Uh, when you think about, would we have even known from central China that there was an issue? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, no. It, le- legitimately, it could have been, we're only reaching this point where people have even start to realize where the source was or what the problems had occurred and, and they'd be wondering what's actually going on. I mean, it does. It sounds almost silly because it wasn't that long ago, but it's amazing how the you know the jumps and the acceleration year on year that we're seeing in terms of the technology and it's how it's impacting our lives. I mean, you go back twelve years, iPhone didn't even exist back then. Nope. You know, people's That's right. the best thing you had for a smartphone was a Nokia N ninety five. You know, <laughs> three right. classic running Windows. Don't CD. knock it. Don't knock um, it. Still but works. I, but I suppose you know <laughs> we. Should, <laughs> We should uh, we should consider ourselves extremely lucky then that we've um, we have this technology available to help us to handle this situation, to get through the situation, to continue working during this situation. Um, But from your perspective, Jeff, you know, you're speaking to a lot of organizations on a regular basis. What kind of impact have you actually seen um, in terms of uh, the impact on cloud, the impact on technology and the impact on on the space that we work in? Right. So you're right. I do get to talk to a lot of companies, and that's what's super fascinating. But not only again, customers. Uh, I've had some really interesting conversations with our cloud providers, so Microsoft, AWS, and with Gartner, who is having even an even broader um, set of conversations as well as deep analysis. They've just got the people who are super at, at doing that sort of thing. And there's been some interesting things that we've seen. So absolutely, everybody's impacted uh, in some fit or fashion. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was talking to one company. And part of their plan from an IT perspective, the gentleman I was speaking with in, was uh, the risk and security person. And, uh, and they had a plan to upgrade all their firewalls. And now mm-hmm. that their business has been impacted, they're cutting all the budgets. But what they can't do is cut that budget because if they cut the firewall budget, it cuts their ability to have people VPN to be able to do their work from home. So it's an interesting chain of events Oops. of where and how you have to prioritize that. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, uh, if you listen to or heard uh, anything from Microsoft's earning calls, they're killing it. They have they they said in their call that uh, that they have sold two years of cloud in two months. Two years wow. of cloud in two months, and you know it's not isolated to them. It's got to be transferred over to AWS and to Google as well, uh, and that's just stunning. I think. That what this has done, and it has, it has been the most amazing catalyst to prove out this technology that we've all been in this business for forever and have adopted. But now the rest mm. of the world is going, you know what? It can actually solve some problems. 100%. I was actually on a phone call with a customer literally this morning having that exact conversation where they worked in a, a much more traditional business. Um, where it was a huge thing for them to even have data that wasn't in the basement of their building. Um, and now they're looking at, okay, well, maybe just going into a standard managed service provider, that would that'd be the normal next step. But then considering some of the benefits they could get from the cloud, 
actually it's looking much much more attractive now even for that business who you know go back two months three months they probably would never even considered it um, a step of this kind of magnitude from their perspective when actually right. now it's 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 far more the natural thing it is and if you even think about i mean uh, i think about our company you know we were on a trajectory this year to uh, we'd done a ton from work from home but to pull people back into the office from a camaraderie from a uh, you know from a culture perspective and of course that's out the window but i think what we've seen from a leadership perspective is is productivity is higher now than it was pre covid inside of our company our our nps scores how we measure our customer satisfaction higher now than they were before i think that's incredible yeah, it's amazing and it, and it's really interesting because i think we've seen in in varying industries this this circular motion of people in and out of offices and and working from home versus in the office and I think this is almost, I don't know that this is going to become the new normal, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. But I think that it will certainly influence people's opinions about what that new normal can look like when things start to get back to a little bit more on an even keel. Um, and I think it will impact uh, maybe previously held opinions around things like, you know, productivity. Right. Yep. Well, even to that end, where yep. you say you don't think it's the new normal, what I do think is the, is the new normal is, is pre-COVID people, uh, hiring managers, um, leaders would look at remote workforce with skepticism. Now I think they will look at remote workforce as a strategic thing that they'll do and not be afraid of it, but again, do it strategically. Absolutely. I think uh, I, I've, I've read a note somewhere and I can't remember from where, but it, it talked about how um, remote working was not a business requirement and suddenly overnight remote working is now a business requirement. And, and that's yeah. a huge impact, just that one statement. It, it I mean, we were fortunate enough. We, we work for an organization where this is all natural to us. Um, you know, everybody has a laptop, regardless of whether they're desk-based anyway, because the flexible working even within offices that we do. Um, and so the, the move for us was natural. We went over the course of, uh, you know, a night. We went from, um, you know, typically 80, 90% of people in the office to 98 or 99% of our staff working from home. Um, and that was easy for us, but for organizations where they are very much chained to that office space, yeah. that, that things like they were actually having to lift and shift boxes in the backs of cars, like old school desktop PCs to people's houses, just so those businesses could continue to function. Um, wow. One of the things I've definitely seen, we've had a lot of conversations about of late is remote working solutions, You know, things like remote desktop solutions. I think uh, to your point around Microsoft, that's something that we've seen a lot of noise and a lot of um, queries about around mm. customers who've historically used that physical desktop. And now actually the whole, you know, this is, I'm going to say it, you, you know, it's coming the year of VDI. <laughs> the year of VDI, VDI is 2020. It only took us about 15 years to get to it. Um, but it's, it's proving its value now, isn't it? It is. It is. I think remote desktops, the whole solution has become big. Absolutely. I mean, general infrastructure utilization has gone up, uh, I think. I mean, generally, people started using a lot more, um, I mean, the whole demand. It, it's it's a direct proportional thing. But Jeff, just in your view, how do you see this going now? I mean, uh, considering the fact that if businesses start moving to more remote working and, and adapt the whole ethos, that is that directly proportional to just the infrastructure going up, everybody using a lot more resources in cloud, etc.? I think you have to break it up into a couple of different pieces. So first of all, there's there's the infrastructure. 
And so I think, and this is substantiated by some conversations I've had with different analyst firms, that those companies that were sort of dipping their toe into the water of, is cloud okay for me? And they had a couple, you know, easy work. You know, we've done this for years. So we see that the, the trend tends to be, I'm going to put something out in the cloud and see if the world ends. Uh, and <laughs> so they dip their toe into the water of cloud. And those companies that were doing that are going to do a cannonball in. They're like, okay, this is good. It yeah. works. Um, you know, we're either using Teams, we're using Zoom, we're using some other, you know, major com- conferencing system to, to be able to connect people. And we've worked through what those those realities are. It works for us. So they're going from an infrastructure perspective. I think we're going to see the flushing of the data center. Those companies who realize, you know what? It's not my core business. The world doesn't end when I put stuff out there. In fact, not only does the world not end, my world continued because I was able to keep my business afloat. But then you have how do people do work? And I love the thought that you're having here around VDI. And that's the next big piece of transformation. Because if you think about, go back to the server piece. All right. So now I'm going to take my servers and I want to move to the cloud. What's that transition look like? It's always IaaS first, infrastructure as a service. That's I'm going right. to shift my machine that I'm used to hugging and carrying and calling my own. And now I'm going to move it out to the cloud and then do the same thing. It's still my pet. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of it the way I did. But then they're going to start to break those applications up that exist inside of there. They're going to think about PaaS-based solutions. They're going to use, you know, they're going to use user authentication in the cloud and not an Active Directory server. They're going to use database as a server, uh, as a service, as opposed to a database server, and break things up. But now think about the desktop, or you know, that that they've had. And so initially, I think companies who aren't comfortable are going to want to do the lift and shift model, which means VDI. Actually, in some cases, the only way that customers can move to those kind of uh, solutions, those solutions that sit outside of their basement is to move those desktops with them because you know there's mm-hmm. still plenty of really horrific old legacy applications. Uh, I, won't, I won't name any in particular for legal reasons, <laughs> uh, but ones that kept me up at night, um, but ones which, which unless you take that desktop with it, the latency between the application client and server is just so great that it impacts the performance and then it's game over. So actually it's almost part of the transformation effort is to yeah. get that, move that desktop with the application and then you transform that into a SaaS offering. And then at that point, you don't really need a desktop, you just need a device, a device yeah. which yep. actually has access to all of these applications. Yeah, no, funny enough, the other day I was talking to another customer of ours and they've been a long-term RSA uh, people. They use RSA for tokens all the time. And suddenly they've come around and said, this is where we're getting hit because RSA is still, at least our product side, is still hardware-based. And they've got that physical servers, which um, really have issues. So they've suddenly started adapting to Duo. So your whole shift is a necessity-driven IaaS to SaaS. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, we see that with Zoom as well. I mean, uh, VDI is one aspect, but just having Zoom as a SaaS provider, it's so quick to get on, on board. So mm-hmm. would, you, would you say... The, the way technologies are built, so things like PaaS and SaaS models, is and the situation of uh, what we're in now is driving uh, people, application people, to sort of move more towards that kind of technologies uh, and move quicker. Would you say that's true? I think it's true. Uh, I do. And, and again, I think they're going to go back and look at the model of what are they trying to do, and then how can they, how can they do that securely, and then how can they do it better chapter? better, cheaper, faster, and, mm. and so forth. And and if you are, and I think that even some of these SaaS providers, like a like a Zoom that went from, I think my number is right, uh, in two weeks they went from 100 million users to 300 million users. 
which is incredible. Um, I think it's going to cause them to even look at, I have no idea what their infrastructure looks like, but I think they're going to probably care about elasticity in their environment in the future. Absolutely. That's a really good point. I, I think the, a key thing there is many organizations start by building, especially when they're building new applications, they don't often think about the scalability that these some of these applications may need to get to. And they think, okay, well, we can just design that in over time and we'll gradually get there. But something like this goes to prove the point that it's so critical your developers start from day one with a mindset of this thing could explode at any point, as in, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of utilization, and always be designing for that scale in mind, because you never know, you know, what might start off today as a, as an access database on my desktop may tomorrow be, uh, you know, a, a, running the whole free world distributed database. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> You know, when you think about it, just nobody would have seen this coming. We, we've been in this industry forever. And, and we have the, I have the have for past 12 years, 15 years, I've had the same conversation with customers. And that is, I want to bring my application and have you guys manage it, whether it's in the cloud, whether it's in your, your, your um, uh, data centers or whatnot. Okay, we architect the great thing. Okay, now is DR important to you? Well, yes, it's important to me. Uh, well, let's let's architect for that. And what that always meant back in the old days was, okay, well, if, if we designed this thing here, then we need a hot standby of that same thing, which meant their cost didn't double. It kind of tripled a lot of cases because then there was the software to make all those things happen. Um, and so now in a cloud-based world where a lot of that plumbing is already in, in built in, a lot of those capabilities from a data replication perspective, from a server replication perspective, from a resiliency in the PaaS-based fabric is already built in. It makes these sort of things a lot easier. And now people can play what if in their head for the worst case scenario, because those worst case scenarios, and I would just shake my head when I'd have these conversations with the customer, they go, my data, it's so important. And I'm really worried about your data center. And I, uh, and even if they were talking about Azure AWS, I really need it replicated somewhere else in the country because I'm nervous. And you know, you look at them and you go, do you really think an earthquake is going to come through and swallow that entire data center? Do you really think that the three different points of internet and, and power coming in, as well as their own backup, is going to take the whole thing down? Nobody saw this scenario coming, impacting the way that it did. You had some doomsday preppers who said, hey, a, a global pandemic could really just change the way life is. You know what? A global pandemic changed the way life was. So if we go back one second just to that, that situation where it's now the mid-90s and COVID is happening, and we talk about how nice it is to have the luxuries of today. Well, I would ask the question also, have the luxuries of today made the situation a little bit worse? In other words, we're starting to see data. It's not settled yet, but we're starting to see data that maybe the mortality isn't what they said it would be. We're starting to see data that maybe the infection um, uh, isn't, isn't spreading as fast as, as they thought it might have. Did we cause a problem by reacting so quickly to it? Um, I'd ask that question of you guys. Yeah, I it's mean, a very, that's, a, yeah. that's a very intense thought because, yeah, how, how do you react to something that you have no idea how it would behave? And the, the, the kind of movement of information these days, to your point, we, we were talking about it, the benefits of it earlier on in the show, but actually some of the downsides are also that data moves or information moves so quickly now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how do you make sure that that information is uh, not going to cause panic or is not going to cause undue stress when actually, you know, for example, drinking disinfectant is not a great idea. <laughs> uh, we won't go into any detail there, but um, that's right. I guess the point being this information moves so fast now, once the cat is out of the bag, um, how do you make sure that you're, um, 
we're not seeing the downsides of the technology that we're providing, I guess. So there's two pieces to that. And the first would be, um, have we have we, I, have we have reacted appropriately? And I think, personal opinion, we acted 100% appropriately because it was an unknown. You just didn't know. Now, the reality is, is as the new data comes in, do we pivot in the same way? So if, yep. in fact, it's not like this. Now, I'm not saying it is, but if, in fact, it's, it's not as bad as we thought it was, do we actually get back to work? Do we get back to life faster? Um, the second piece to that is when I think of disservice, when somebody has a harebrained idea and they say it on the internet and it spreads crazy, um, did they actually say some of those things or are people actually utilizing this, God forbid, for political reasons? Um, so, you know, power uh, in, an, in an information age can tend to be interesting. Dangerous. <laughs> So with all that in mind, right, so forgetting about the denim jackets, forgetting about watching Stranger Things uh, and maybe looking forwards a little bit as opposed to retrospectively, let's put ourselves a year in the future. Here's our thought experiment. Jeff, what do you think is going to be different in a year's time on the basis of what we've seen? Yeah, I sort of touched on it earlier. I think that business leadership will ultimately look at um, they'll look at these tools and technologies as strategic tools in their tool chest, as opposed to things they necessarily need to be afraid of. From a cloud perspective, from a work from work from home or work remote perspective, work anywhere. I think that 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 the the advances we've seen in using video conferencing will not retract, and also um, the advances we've seen in people adopting cloud technologies as a, as a strategic tool in their tool chest will continue. I don't think we'll ever retract from that. I think we'll see people going back into offices, but I sure wouldn't want to be in the corporate real estate business because I don't think we'll see as many offices used or as much office space used as we saw before. That's that's a very, very interesting point because I, I was thinking about it and having a chat with my wife yesterday about this. In, in the 80s and, and from the 80s, we've been building massive skyscrapers, uh, packing as many people as we can into cities that are already busy. And and this thing now, people working from home, has changed the whole mindset. So do you reckon as we go into the future, maybe in a year or two years, we're actually going to now not worry about getting everybody in one city, but actually more diversify the geographics location? I would say I hope so. I think that already people were seeing uh, that the city was maybe not the best place to live. I think we have absolutely seen... Uh, as substantiated by the data that living in the city exposes you to a faster transmission of bad things. And you can fill in the blank on what you think bad things are. In this case, it's a virus. Uh, it's nice from a center of gravity perspective. It's nice from having people together, but I think we've learned how to collaborate. I'll still say there's nothing like getting in front of a bunch of people on a whiteboard and solving a problem. Uh, but we've worked around that, I think, <laughs> relatively well. Very yeah. true. Uh, they, they, do you know, it's funny, I was just thinking, uh, without going too Zen, you know, everything's a bit cyclical. And uh, for thousands of years, human beings have been transporting themselves from being farmers living outside in the in the, you know, in the kind of sticks, so to speak, and gradually graduating towards all these massive cities. It'll be quite interesting to see if the next element of that cyclical nature is actually for everything to spread back out again, uh, off the back of this. Well, I'll tell you, I think that the earth would be a much happier place, uh, physically, if we think of the earth as a as a being. Uh, if people did that, the the it it makes it so much easier for the Earth to recover what it's doing. We've seen all of the pictures from around the world of clear channels in Venice. Uh, you got you got you can see 
you know, porpoises swimming through the, the canals in Venice. Very you true. can see um, the Eiffel Tower from, from miles and miles away where you, you wouldn't be able to before. Um, if, if we care about the ecosystem, then we would care about uh, spreading out a little. 100%. And uh, probably not a bad idea to uh, buy into some uh, logistics uh, stock as well. <laughs> I would imagine if that was the case. Uh, you know, Amazon Prime, other vendors are available. Uh, so, <laughs> so speaking of Amazon, they sell books, don't they? So I think this yes, could be do. a really smooth segue right into our book segment. You see how we did that? It was almost Ooh, imperceptible. You uh, actually, you actually were doing it before you even realized it. But continue, and I'll show you my book. <laughs> so, so to that point, Jeff, uh, you know, we like to ask all our guests uh, about book recommendation, uh, anything from uh, you know the the most recent fiction book they've read to something personal development to anything, anything at all. So, Jeff, uh, have you come prepared this week? I have come prepared, uh, and it's been an now, interesting hey. bit of serendipity in the process as well. So my book recommendation isn't one book. So my book recommendation for you is to actually go to Amazon or your favorite retail book retailer and go to the search bar and type in the words, how to garden. One of the things that I think we've all realized through the whole process is that being a little bit more self-sufficient in whatever that means to you is probably a really good thing. Whether you live uh, on some property, whether you have a traditional suburban home, whether you live in a, um, in a condo in a high rise somewhere, you can still get a container, you can still fill it with dirt, you can still plant some lettuce, you can still plant a tomato plant. Go down to your local big box store, buy one seedling and drop that sucker in there, water it once a day, and uh, a little bit of fertilizer from time to time. And the ability to walk out wherever that walkout means and pick a tomato that you grew is worth its weight in gold. And it doesn't mean you got to start with a big farm. You don't need a quarter acre plot. You don't need a couple of acres. You just need a little bit of dirt. So my recommendation, learn to garden. Fantastic. I love it. So on that point then, uh, before we before we as a collective group provide any more fertilizer for the plants, um, I think it's probably a good time for us to, to wrap up. Um, so just want to say thank you again, Jeff. It's been absolutely fantastic having you on. Uh, for anybody who uh, is of a mind too, how could people stalk you on the socials? Absolutely. So you can find me over on LinkedIn, uh, Jeff Deverter. I'm over there or uh, first initial last name, J-D-E-V-E-R-T-E-R. -E -E you can find me uh, with that same acronym on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, so I would love to connect with you there. You're going to find all sorts of different content in all those different areas. You're going to find a lot of garden pictures over in Instagram, by the way. <laughs> Loving it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, no, thank you for that, Jeff. And I think uh, it was a fantastic episode. I think I totally enjoyed it. For all you listeners out there, uh, you can reach out to us on, uh, we have, we are on Stitcher, we are on Twitter, we are on Spotify. So that's any medium that you want to listen to the, to the podcast episodes. Uh, on Twitter, you can reach us on at Spotting Clouds. That's our Twitter handle. So send us a message, drop us a note. Let us know what you think about this episode. Let us know if you want Jeff back. And we do, we'll, have, we'll have a quick vote on that. And, and, and then maybe we'll do, it on, we'll do a Twitter vote to see if we want Jeff back. I, I, my hands goes <laughs> off straight away. My guess is not, but, I'm, but I was glad to have the time today. You know, I did forget to mention one last piece. And, and I love this. Uh, listen to tons of these episodes. Uh, you guys do sure. a great job. But we have started one similar over on the U.S. side called Cloud Talk. So I'd recommend yes. your listeners maybe go check that out. 100%. Yeah. So we'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks very much, Jeff. Thanks, guys. And uh, 
Thank you very much, listeners. We'll see you in the next episode.